Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and His purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. We hope you enjoy this week's sermon from lead pastor, Jamie Miller. How's everybody doing? It's good to be together. Um, if you want to open a Bible, just to get in prepared here, open to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, which is pretty incredible little section of Scripture. Uh, we started this series a couple weeks ago, then we took a break for World Mandate, and now we're jumping back in to Colossians, and I wanted the context on this, on this particular letter is just huge, because Paul, Mark, Luke are all in this, what, what we've come to call because of Jim Reynolds' influence, the, the jailhouse church. They're like all there together in Ephesus, and it's all these guys that wrote most of the New Testament. John wasn't there, but a big chunk of the, Peter wasn't there, but a big chunk of the New Testament was written by Luke and Mark and Paul, and they're all there. You got Jew, Gentile, got all the, all the things that he's addressing are flowing even in a healthy way out of the church that they're living in because he's in prison and these guys are all there help, helping him. Mark, there's reconciliation. Mark and Paul had been uh, estranged for a season and now the, here they are working together again. You've got the Jew-Gentile thing happening. You've got Onesimus who was a runaway slave from Philemon, well, Colossians is addressed to the, uh, the Colossian church, which meets at Philemon's house. Isn't that wild? And so Onesimus is a runaway. He's coming back with the letter. They're gonna read the Colossian letter, and then they're gonna turn around right after that and read the letter to Philemon to the church because it's gonna need some help to bring about this reconciliation. But in the end, um, we really believe that it goes well because Onesimus ends up being a famous Bishop of Ephesus, of the church in Ephesus. Isn't that wild? And uh, so we know that because Ignatius of Antioch was arrested, I forget, I'm blanking on the emperor's name, but Trajan said, want you to deny, deny Christ. And Ignatius isn't gonna do that. He's an old guy. It's like 110, 115, about 50 years after Colossians was written. And Ignatius is then on his way to be killed by wild beasts in Rome, and he stops at several different places along the way, and he writes letters to the different churches. So we know about Onesimus because of the letter from Ignatius to the church in Ephesus. Stay with me on all that. I want to read a quote now from Ignatius to the church in Ephesus, where Onesimus is the bishop. For when you heard that I was on my way to Syria, in bonds for the sake of the common name and hope, and was hoping through your prayers to succeed in fighting with wild beasts in Rome, that by so succeeding, I might have power to be a disciple. Isn't that humble? You were eager to visit me. Seeing then that in God's name, I have received your whole multitude in the person of Onesimus, whose love passes utterance, and who is moreover your bishop in the flesh, I pray that you may love him according to Jesus Christ and that you all may be like him. For blessed is he that has granted you according to your deserving to have such a bishop. Isn't that powerful? So that's a little bit about Onesimus, you know, so he, 
I, I don't know what all the, the timeline was, but you know, 50 years later, he's the bishop of Ephesus, where Timothy was the bishop, had appointed elders, and then somehow Onesimus is in there just at this, at this incredible church, right? So powerful. Um, but there's some kind of problem that, <clears throat> there's some kind of problem that Paul is writing into. Maybe Epaphras has come back and he said, look, this is, there's some stuff getting out of line here. And so Paul's writing a problem, he's writing into a problem and he does it by lifting up with clarity Jesus Christ. That's how he fights the, the, whatever this heresy is that's going on, this teaching in the Colossian church. And, and heresy is just, we don't just throw that word around. That heresy is like when something is really off and especially about the person of the Lord Jesus Christ who reveals to us the triune God. So you don't go, you know, I like different kind of style of music. You heretic, you know, that's not the way you use the word. It's like in the early church, the church fathers used that word in relation to somebody who was really off, you know, saying that the Old Testament didn't count, Marcion, these different, uh, different heresies that really threatened the church. And some of the big ones were Gnosticism, Gnosticism is like, it, it has to do with the word knowledge, and it's like, you've got a special knowledge. Our group has a special knowledge that other people don't have, and if you get up to the higher levels, you'll get to where we're at, and it creates division in the church, that it's something besides or in addition to Jesus as our Lord and Savior. Docetism is the heresy that denied that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. That's, that's docetism. And there's a reason for that. It has to do with the word in Greek, probably. And I should have researched that before saying something about it here. But just know that it's, it has to do with the uh, denying that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. And I, I do want to say on that one, like, uh, this is really important. Though everything, everything that... Uh, the incarnation is important. The sanctified life is important. It's not just, Jesus wasn't just a tool that the Father used to bring about forgiveness of sins for us. Like, he got, I better grab this off the shelf, Jesus, and work about atonement so that these guys can be saved. It's, no, it's the whole life, his incarnation. Him taking on our humanity, we can't let go of that. I didn't grow up hearing about that. But we can't let go of that. It's all one one. Uh, cloth. One, so the incarnation, the sanctified life, the crucifixion, dying on our behalf, dealing with our old man, dealing with sin and forgiveness, going into the grave, but the resurrection. He died as he died, we died. As he's raised, we're raised with him. The, the uh, ascension and the poured out spirit and his return again. All of that, we hold that together as the gospel, as, as, as good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So then Platonism is this idea, Greek philosophy, Plato, that spiritual things are good while this earthly thing that we live in called the earth and our bodies is bad. And that's contrary to what God says about the creation, that it's good. It's good. He looked at it and said, it's good. So, and, and we can slide into any of these things when we start the super spiritual stuff, denying the incarnation, or not even just acknowledging that what God's done in, in becoming human, he's done on behalf of humanity so that we're not 
looking at somebody going, did Jesus die for you? Now, there's a lot of theology in that, but as I understand the Bible, we're not looking around going, did Jesus die for you? He died for you. And then people have the dignity of responding in love to what God's done for them. But it doesn't change the power of our announcement that Jesus Christ is Lord, declared with power through the resurrection from the dead to be the true King and Lord of the world. And so I want to live in response to that good news, that statement of fact, not just an invitation that you can have a spiritual experience if you want to or not and decide about it. No, I'm declaring the gospel. Jesus Christ is Lord. Turn. Order life to him. There you go. So um, so, uh, for us today, you guys, the, the problem for us, it's not just those things, although I think those things work their way in, but the problem is a battle for our minds. The problem is a battle for allegiance to Jesus Christ. So I'm proclaiming he's Lord, but there's a lot of things that are pulling us away, co-opting us, satiating us, that's got us over here and just kind of docile and passive, distracted, deadened, isolated, alone. That's what's going on. That's what's going on. Surgeon General came out with a report a couple weeks ago, 80-page report. Like It's a big-time deal. Said there's a massive epidemic going on in our country, and I want to address it. It's loneliness. Surgeon General, like my dad, when in, it's like a 60, in 1963, the Surgeon General came out with a report that said, cigarettes are bad for you. My dad was like, whoa, he's smoking all the time. Everybody did. Surgeon General said it's bad. He stopped. Isn't that wild? I mean, he was gonna, they were going to have me too, so he, he said it, that mattered as well. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Dad. But, um, but I mean, loneliness. For the Surgeon General to come out, it's like cigarettes or something, and go, loneliness is bad, and it's leading to anxiety, depression, heart conditions, all kinds of these other medical issues because getting it back down to loneliness. And I think this, like, we've got to, Lord, help us to wake up to see what really matters. We're living in an empire And it looks different than Rome, but it's an empire. And there's powers and principalities at work in the heavenlies. It's clouding up our vision. Um, And so something's going on. And rescue, praise God, through Jesus Christ is the answer. There's a rescue that he wants to bring. And so Paul comes into that and cuts into that with he's the image of the invisible God. You know, just the, what you need is Jesus. What we need is Jesus. And I'm, you know, broken record, I don't care. I'm gonna keep preaching Jesus Christ. We're never gonna get to the end of it. Yep. None of us will never be standing before him and go, you know, Lord, I, I guess I spent too much time thinking about you. I was too centered on you. <laughs> just in, just don't, don't worry about that. It, it's, there's always more. I, I think for eternity, that's what's so beautiful. I think it's gonna be an unfolding, never-ending revelation 
of how good and wonderful he really is. And that's kind of what Paul gets to a bit here, who he is, what he's done, what he's doing. And so we're gonna read this here, but let's, here's the main thing I'm trying to say. In the midst of the world, God wants us to align our lives to the centrality and supremacy of Jesus Christ. There you go. That's it. Let's stand up and let's read this passage, this beautiful poem, 15 to 20, and passage beyond that. Lord, we ask that you bless the reading of your word. Open up eyes and hearts right now. Silence the lies, the blinding of the enemies, the enemy in the name of Jesus. Help us now, Lord, to see, yeah, just the wonderful, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ Jesus. The Son is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, things visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior, but now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish, free from accusation, if you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard about and has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven, and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking in regard to Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, which is the church, I have become its servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. And to this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. And I want you to know how hard I'm contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all that have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order to know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. 
For though I'm absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. This is the word of God and we say together, thanks be to God, amen. Have a seat. Okay, a lot going on there, obviously, um, and more than I can preach. And if I just started preaching that passage from here on, that's all I did. Um, but the centrality of Jesus, I'm just, I, originally I thought, I had a thought, I'll just do these three points, but I'm just throwing them up there because I'm just gonna kind of riff off this for just a second here. Who he is, what he's done, and what he's doing. Because who he is is expressed in what he's done. You know, who he is is expressed in what he's doing. He hasn't changed. Same yesterday, today, forever, Jesus. And so what he's done reveals who he is, and what he's doing reveals who he is in and through us. It's a beautiful mystery, but that's what a mystery is. A mystery is, was something hidden, but is now revealed. And so if you wanna know who God is, the mystery of God is Christ. Look to Jesus. You wanna know more of God and grow in knowledge of him. We look to Jesus because he's the mystery of God revealed, just like the church, his body, is the mystery of Christ revealed. I mean, how are people gonna see if they don't see us being who we are as the body? How are they gonna hear if they don't hear us speaking about who Jesus is? This is the distribution point for the riches of God in heaven in Christ to get distributed to the world. Not just this particular point, but we are one warehouse that has trucks backing up every Sunday and in life groups, and then we're going out into the world with the riches of Jesus Christ, right? right? So, So mystery, hidden but revealed. He's the image of the invisible God. So there's something, there's like, I think the heresy could have something to do with saying the fullness is out there somewhere. The fullness is in all this knowledge out there. It's out there somewhere. It's, it's in this Platonic thought. It's in this Gnostic thought. And Paul's just cutting right through that. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn. He's over creation. He's the first, he's the resur first resurrected one. He's over new creation. He's over it all. Listen to these phrases. You know, for in him all things. We just said, sang that phrase, uh, help me out, uh, worthy of it all. For from him are all things and to him are all things. I was thinking that in first service just going, wow, that's, that's what he's saying. And that that's going on all the time in heaven. Not an afterthought. And, and I, again, part of maybe some correction that needs to happen in our lives is thinking Jesus just did this thing 2,000 years ago and it's not an ongoing thing right now. As if he's not our high priest right now. As if he's not interceding for us right now. That we would see him and know who he is and what he's done and what he's doing, what he will do. Wow, so he's before all things. In him all things were created, heaven, earth, visible, invisible, that kind of covers it, and that's, you know, it's said in different places, John 1 says the same thing, that there's nothing created that has been created that wasn't created with him. So he came in the flesh, but he's the creator. He's the word of God. I, my, the work and the power of God, Paul says, is working in me, so that I might proclaim to you the word of God in its fullness. The person of Jesus Christ. 
He's not talking about, so I can exposit some passage, you know, in the Bible. I'm talking about the word of God, the word of God, the living word, the one who holds all things together by the power of his word, all things. Wow. That's just massive. All things, all things through him, for him, before all things, in him, all things. He's the head of the body, the church, the beginning, firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased, here cutting through this, to have all his fullness dwell in him. He's gonna say that again later in chapter two, verse nine. In Christ, all the fullness of deity lives in bodily form, cutting through again. There's the incarnation. And through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth, things in heaven. We were alienated in our minds. There's, I, I do just wanna say, there's, there's kind of a, there's a way of preaching the gospel where it's like, we're, we're over here and God's over there. And I just wanna, I wanna say to you, please read this passage again. There's no you existing without Jesus Christ holding you together. You, you can't make that say you're existing separately from Jesus Christ. And that's the beauty of the gospel, the declaration of his lordship and the dignity of love that the Father gives to us to say, now respond to me. He's not making us do it. And that's the power. He's not co-opting us. He's declaring who he is and saying, come, follow me. Live in my life. Live with brothers and sisters together. Do this thing together. It's beautiful. Keep on. If you continue, keep on. Why would we ever stop? Doesn't mean we don't get broken and mess up and get in a ditch. Anybody ever got in a ditch and you're just over there? And... I have. And by grace, Lord, helping me up usually with another brother, some brothers, sisters, helping me up. We need each other. It's Christ and the church. Paul goes on, he says, I'm filling up in my body what's lacking in Christ's afflictions. Again, if we're just thinking about Jesus as like a tool, then it's all done, but huh, Paul's saying there's something lacking and it's the visible representation of people walking the way of the cross, of us walking in sufferings even for the sake of making Jesus and his work visible to the world around us, who he is, what he's done, what he's doing, what he will do, that we're going this way and we're gonna keep following and that somehow in a way that's mind-blowing to us, the revelation that was hidden has now been disclosed and made known to the nations that Christ is in you. Christ's in you. It's the hope of glory, of all things being made right. That's what I think of when I think of glory. It's like the way it should be, the way it ought to be, the way, the, the way God intends for it. The hope of glory is Jesus. It's not us getting it all together. It's Jesus and his life being manifested in us. This is the gospel, this exchange of life. That, that he's done something we could never do. And we trust in him. Lord Jesus, you are 
our life. That's why we call the, the series Sharing His Life Together. Sharing His Life. It's, the, the, this family word, it's sharing His life. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then we appear with Him in glory. But we share life. That's why we're together. That's why we're doing this. I don't know how much else to preach. I, my, my notes say who he is, what he's done, what he's doing. <laughs> but you know, like there's some, there's some tension points in all of this getting out. And that is like, I saw an illustration. I heard a guy uh, uh, over at another church uh, this past week. I was eating with some pastors and this guy named Robert Chong, um, Chong, I'm not sure how to say his last name. But uh, he had this illustration, had kind of God's reality up here and our reality, just stuff we're going through and God, the story of love and life. And, but in between there, even though we're redeemed, rescued, reconciled, there's like clouds sometimes, like cloud cover. You know what I mean when I say cloud cover? Like sometimes at DFW, you're flying out of there and it's cloudy and stuff and you go through the clouds and what's on the other side of the clouds? The sun. And so the, the clouds, I think a lot of times are like our sin. It's like spiritual warfare, stuff we're going through that just kind of keeps us down here and not seeing the fact that we're living. Our very life is in union with Christ. That's our, he's our life. He's our life. And he's done that. I, I can't make that happen. He's done that. But I can trust him and say, praise God, you're my life. You're my life, Lord. If anybody needs to hear that good news, trust in him today. Put your faith in Jesus. He's, he's like, there's no life like this life. It's the best life. I tried what the world had to offer and it just nearly killed me. Um, John Mark Comer's got this new book out. I, I've got a blank on it. What's it called? Practicing the way. It's like I had to do that in first service. Um, and uh, which is really good. I recommend it. We're gonna be taking some extra time in the summer to, do, to go through some of this as a church, practicing the way. And, uh, but he has a great little illustration. He said, we receive teaching. And you go ahead and throw that up. We receive teaching and we do practices, you know, spiritual disciplines and things that help us grow, but we do that in the context of community. And it's all connected to and empowered by the Holy Spirit who helps us over time. Newsflash, it takes time. It takes time, and we go through stuff along the way, hardships, trials, sufferings, through the hard knocks of life is the way he says it. And so that's kind of the way growth and change happens. It's not just any kind of change, it's growth into the image of Jesus. That's where we're going. That's where this thing goes. Amen. I wanna read now a targum. Define that word, please. Yes, uh, a targum is what the rabbis would write about ancient scriptures, in the, the Hebrew scriptures, and they would write it in order to uh, update it and to make it current in today's language or the language of the day at the time. And so I've got this great book here. It was written in 2004 and I'm gonna read a targum 
on Colossians 1, 15 through 20, kind of a restatement in terms of, uh, of a more current, uh, and you'll, you'll see what I'm getting at. And you'll hear what I just read as we read through this again. For those of you who are taken, you know, like to read a lot, this is one of my favorite commentaries on Colossians. Colossians Remixed, subtitle, Subverting the Empire. That's kind of what Paul's doing. It took him 10 years to write this book. Brian Walsh and Sylvia Kiesmott, his wife, both scholars, but they decided they would take 10 years before they of experimenting, living this, before writing this. And so here's the Targum on 115 through 20. It's gonna take a few minutes. Just listen, let this sink in. I think you'll hear what I'm talking about. In an image-saturated world, a world of ubiquitous corporate logos permeating your consciousness, in a world of dehydrated and captive imaginations, in which we are too numbed, satiated, and co-opted to be able to dream of life otherwise, in a world in which the empire of global economic affluence has achieved the monopoly of our imaginations. In this world, Christ is the image of the invisible God. In this world, driven by images with a vengeance. Pause. 2004, iPhone not released yet. In this world, just update that. Driven by images with a vengeance, Christ is the image par excellence, the image above all other images, the image that is not a facade, the image that's not trying to sell you anything, the image that refuses to co-opt you. Say that again, that refuses to co-opt you. Christ is the image of the invisible God, the image of God of flesh and blood here and now in time and history with joys and sorrows, image of who God is, the image of God of flesh and blood here and now in time and history with joys and sorrows, image of who we are called to be, image bearers of this God. He is the source of a liberated imagination, a subversion of the empire, because it all starts with him and it all ends with him. Everything, all things. Whatever you can imagine, visible and invisible, mountains and atoms, outer space, urban space, cyberspace, whether it be the Pentagon, Disneyland, Microsoft or AT&T, update, update new companies, put them in there, whether it be the institutionalized power structures of the state, the academy, or the market, all things have been created in him and through him. He's their source, their purpose, their goal, even in their rebellion, even in their idolatry, he is the sovereign one. Their power and authority is derived at best, parasitic at worst, in the face of the empire, in the face of presumptuous claims to sovereignty. Let's think about that. In the face of the imperial and idolatrous forces in our lives, Christ is before all things. He is sovereign in life, not the pimped dreams of the global market, 
not the idolatrous forces of nationalism, again, written 20 years ago, not the insatiable desires of a consumerist culture in the face of a disconnected world where home is a domain in cyberspace, where neighborhood is a chat room, where public space is a shopping mall, where information technology promises a tuned-in, reconnected world. All things hold together in Christ. The creation is a deeply personal cosmos, all cohering and interconnected in Jesus. And this sovereignty takes on cultural flesh. This coherence of all things is socially embodied in the church against all odds and against most of the evidence in a show-me culture where words alone don't cut it. The church is the flesh and blood here and now in time and history with joys and sorrows embodiment of this Christ a body politic around a common meal in alternative economic practices, in radical service to the most vulnerable, in refusal of the empire, in love of this creation, the church reimagines the world in the image of the invisible God, in the face of a disappointed world of betrayal, in a world in which all fixed points have become illusory, in a world in which we are anchorless and adrift, come on, Christ is the foundation, the origin, the way, the truth, and the life. In the face of this culture of death, a world of killing fields, a world of the walking dead, Christ is the head of the resurrection parade, transforming our tears of betrayal into tears of joy, giving us dancing shoes for the resurrection party. And this glittering joker, who has danced in the dragon's jaws of death, now dances with a dance that is full of nothing less than the fullness of God. And this is the dance of the new creation. This is the dance of life out of death. And in this dance, all that was broken, all that was estranged, all that was alienated, all that was dislocated and disconnected, what once was hurt, what once was friction, is now reconciled, comes home, is healed, and is made whole because grace makes beauty out of ugly things. With a nod to Bono there. Everything, all things, whatever you can imagine, visible, invisible, mountains and atoms, outer space, urban space, and cyberspace, every inch of creation, every dimension in our lives, all things are reconciled in him. And it all happens on a cross. It all happens at a state execution where the governor did not commute the sentence. And it all happens at the hands of the empire that has captured our imagination. It all happens through blood, not through a power grab by the sovereign one. It all happens in embraced pain for the sake of others. It all happens on a cross with arms outstretched in embrace. And this is the image of the invisible God this is the body of Christ. Praise the Lord. It's relevant 2,000 years ago, re-relevantized and made current 20 years ago. And maybe we throw in some TikToks and Facebook and Amazon and Insta, this, that, and the other. It's all there. It's expanding. Somebody said, man, I mean, if, 
if there was images then, 20 years ago, how many more images are we exposed to now? And Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And we need this word more than ever. That whole thing about the Surgeon General's report, isolation, we need each other. And we need, we need to see the Lord, Jesus. We need Christ and the church together, the people of God on the mission of God for the glory of God. We need one another. We need each other. Amen. Let's stand up. And uh, if I get the worship team to come on and uh, also ministry team folks, and as always, you guys, if you need prayer, just coming in with something on your heart, please come forward and get prayer. We wanna pray for each other in this time and minister to one another, but we need to see Jesus clearly. I mean, that's a great prayer right there to see Jesus more clearly. And, and if that picture connected with you about clouds, I know it does for me. Sometimes I forget who I am and I need to know, yes, Lord, I'm united to you. You did that and you live in me. Christ in you, Jamie, but also us together, plural, is the hope of glory. So if there's something cloudy about identity, come and get prayer. If you know you're spending too much time being co-opted by something, then let's get prayer on this, right? Lord, help us. Uh, if you know you're in spiritual warfare, the clouds, then get prayer. Or if you know you've been stuck in something, I don't wanna be stuck. I don't wanna be stuck from something from the past. Lord, help us. I don't wanna be stuck in negative ways of thinking that isolate me. Negative things about the church or community. And you guys, I just, I'll finish with this. Uh, Eugene Peterson in the message translation in Romans 12 says, take your everyday ordinary lives. This is like not the, we're not jumping over buildings here. We're just brothers and sisters that are called to offer our lives, just our everyday ordinary lives to God. So let's go for it. Pray, Lord, meet us here in this time. Change eternity because of what you're doing right now. In Jesus' name, amen. Come, any of those prayer needs connect. Let's press into the Lord. Thank you, Lord.